0: Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6pm, Cork's Red FM.
1: Good evening folks, very welcome along to the Big Red Bench, Right here with you until 7pm, busy hour sport coming your way. Uh, between now and 7 o'clock, coming up we're going to be talking to Davin O'Neill about taking over the Cove Wanderers job in the middle of a pandemic. We'll talk to Dav in a bit. We're also going to hear from Adam O'Reilly. He signed for Preston on loan from Wardford uh, earlier on in the week. Uh, or signed for Wardford on loan from Preston, I should say. So we're going to talk to Adam in a bit about his plans uh, for that uh, loan spell. We're going to talk to Tom Savage of the Rugby website, Three Red Kings. we to talk about Ireland's win over Italy, Italy's future in the Six Nations, Joey Carbery's return to Munster, and plenty more. We're also going to hear from Andy Farrell as well before seven o'clock. You're listening to the Big Red Bench on Corex Red FM. to be all cliched but there is a grand stretch in the evening this is the first big red bench of the year where it's been bright at the kick off of the show which is fantastic to see the, the evening's getting longer, a lovely day in Cork today hope you all enjoyed your time out in the sunshine and uh, thank you indeed for tuning into the show this evening going to get you up to date on everything that's been happening today, 71 minutes on the clock at Old Trafford, Chelsea, Manchester United scoreless, not a great game by any stretch of the imagination. Man United looking for a win that would cut Man City's lead at the top to 10 points. A win for Chelsea would see them go up to fourth, so we're going to see what happens there, but uh, with 18 minutes on the clock, 72 minutes on, on the clock there, and it is Chelsea nil, Manchester United nil. Earlier on today, Tottenham had a good win today, and it was the Gareth Bale show. Guy Swindles.
2: Four, Burnley nil. Comfortable for Spurs, really comfortable for Spurs, uh, with Gareth Bale taking the headlines, scoring twice. First, after just two minutes, tucking home a Son cross. Kane and Mora also scored in a first half where Spurs dominated. In the second, the best goal of the game came when Son, driving from his own half, set up Bale to curl home deliciously at goal four. After that, Burnley huffed and puffed. Spurs missed more chances. They're back. Spurs four Burnley
1: Nil. Uh, this is Gareth Bale speaking of full time says he's uh, happy with his day's work.
3: Obviously been building up for a little bit to, to get back fully fit and um, yeah felt comfortable today. My form's coming back so uh, yeah nice to help the team in, in whatever way I can
1: a good one for Arsenal today as they beat Leicester City Nikesh Rogan was at the King Power Stadium
4: Leicester City won Arsenal 3 a really good all round performance from Arsenal in the end Leicester took the lead early on through Yuri Tillemans it was a brilliant individual effort from him but from then on Mikel Arteta's side slowly took control of the game they equalised from a David Luiz header and on the stroke of half time they were awarded a penalty when Wilfred Ndidi handballed in his area Alexandra Lacazette slotted home the spot kick their third Third was a brilliant counter-attack at the beginning of the second half. Lots of intricate passing and Nicolas Pepe eventually swept home from close range. Arsenal are then into the top half with that win. Leicester City miss out on the chance to go second. It finished Leicester 1, Arsenal 3.
1: So that's to within eight points of the top four after that game. Uh, they, just a second victory in six in the Premier League. Boss Mikel Arteta says his side showed great character.
4: Coming here after a very short uh, turnaround from Benfica and going uh, down very early puts the game in a really difficult position against a Leicester team that probably is the best uh, scenario they can have. But I think uh, we played uh, some really good moments in the game.
1: So a tough one for Leicester, they couldn't bounce back from their Europa League exit on Thursday. More bad news for them as well, with the winger Harvey Barnes going off with a knee injury in the second half. And his manager Brendan Rodgers is anticipating a lengthy layoff for Barnes.
2: It looks like he, he needs to go in for an operation, so he's, he's probably going to be minimum, minimum six weeks. So a little bit of the, the bone in his knees come off, so he, he'll need that repair.
1: Ouch, that sounds painful.
0: Uh, Crystal Palace
1: and Fulham with scoreless Ian Beach.
0: Crystal Palace nil, Fulham nil, but Fulham could have won. They had five good chances in the second half. A Joachim Anderson free kick just wide, three great efforts from Josh Madger and a curled effort from Adam Ola-Lukman that went just wide. The first half of this one, maybe even the first 60 minutes, was pretty stale with both teams ultimately trying to avoid conceding. But it was Fulham who did the most to open the game up and that's got to give them hope going forward. Crystal Palace nil, Fulham nil
1: and the uh, late kick-off this evening's quarter past seven Sheffield United taking on the champions Liverpool elsewhere in Scotland St Johnston have won the Scottish League Cup for the first time in their history as they beat Livingston by a goal to nil in the final at Hamden Park thanks for a goal from Sean Rooney manager Callum Davidson says it's a big moment for the club
3: probably made me a little bit emotional I think uh, I'm just delighted for everybody involved uh, I think it's difficult times for everybody and a uh, pretty special moment uh, and hopefully people back in Perth and support St Johnstone can uh, I can celebrate it and give them a bit of cheer.
1: Yeah, fantastic win there for them. Cork's Jace be uh, on the bench for Livingston today, but didn't get a run out at Hampden. Uh, 76 minutes on the clock now. That's uh, Stamford Bridge till Chelsea nil, Manchester United nil. Uh, some sad news today. Um, former Newcastle and West Ham manager Glenn Roder has uh, passed away at the age of 65 following a long battle with a brain tumour. As a player, he was a defender for clubs including late Norwich, Newcastle and QPR. The League Managers Association chairman, Howard Wilkinson, has described Roder as... One one of the country's most respected coaches, and says he will be sorely missed here at home in pre season friendly action today. Uh, Ramblers losing out to Shamrock Rovers in a pre season friendly 3 1 was how that finished earlier on today. Cork City currently in action uh, against Shamrock Rovers as well. Um, second half is just underway there. And it is Mark Rovers 1, Cork City 1, Keane Murphy with Cork City's goal there. Roy McIlroy is in contention at the WGC Workday Championship as he prepares to get his final run underway. He'll tee off from 11 under par. And just about half past six, four shots behind the leader Colin Murakawa. Shane Lowry is two over with two holes left to play today. Shane has parming best of the Irish in the final day of the Puerto Rico Open. He's 11 under par after six. He's in a tie for ninth and five shots off the pace. Podic Harrington, 200 through eight. Eight. Leona Maguire's 4 in power after 13 holes of her final round of the game bridge at the uh, LPGA, LPGA Tour well, that leaves the Cavan native in a tie 21st, 12 shots off the pace. In rugby, Leinster in action in the Pro 14 this afternoon or this evening, I should say, they're taking on Glasgow Warriors, 30 minutes on the clock. It is Leinster 21, Warriors 7. In snooker, John Higgins leads Ronnie O'Sullivan 6 frames to 2 in the Players' Championship final in Milton Keynes. The decider is a best of 19 frames contest. And racing today was at Nace. The William Mullins trained Echoes in the Rain won the feature race of the day. The Paddy Power betting shop novice hurdle. Paul Townend guided the five-year-old to victory after going out the 11-8 odds on favourite. All right, going to start the show with football and Davin O'Neill has uh, become the new Cove Wanderers boss replacing Darren Murphy who's taken up a coaching role uh, with uh, Cove Ramblers. And uh, I spoke to Davin, the former Cork City and Cove Ramblers player about taking over Cove Wanderers uh, in the middle of a pandemic and what he's expecting for the first division of the League of Ireland as well.
2: Well, I I suppose I finished I finished playing a couple of years back. Um, I think it was two thousand and sixteen, which is five years ago now. It's it's hard to believe, but it passes so quick. Um, it's it's something that really arose because Darren Murphy vacated the position, um, going to the under nineteen go ramblers and um, local side. So it was a position came up and. I thought about it. I I saw it online and I thought about it. At first you you kind of, you you say to yourself, don't you, uh, will I put myself in the hat for that? And what does it entail? Because I've never done something like that before. So there were them questions, but essentially you talk to people that, that I suppose that you have respect for, maybe that experience and, and you make your decision based on that then. So I, I did all that and, I decided to apply for the job and and go for it then.
1: Yeah, because obviously it's, um, above all else, it's a massive, I suppose, investment in your time as well because you're out training a couple of nights a week, a match of the weekend as well. So family life has to be balanced out and all that crack. So it all has to be weighed up.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, I, I've noticed a big difference already. Even you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> balance is the key word there. Uh, but yeah, it's something I have to embrace, um, adapt to, and kind of I suppose rethink things. Yeah, but uh, I see that as a as a positive. Um, you're learning something new. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to stand still ever. You know, I, I'm eager to drive on and, and learn something new and experience new things. So I would embrace that. What advice did uh, Murph have for you? Well I played with Darren. Um I played with Darren Cove um when he was a young a young midfielder, hard as nails, uh, great player. Um he always had great heart, you know. But I met him last week um down in Wanders when he was handing over everything really and he had some great advice, you know. He's he's done some fantastic courses and he's he said basically it's it's your footballing experience and your knowledge through playing the game that will stand uh, you know in good stead and he gave me some nice um, advice and I appreciated that um, Have you been able to uh, you obviously haven't
1: been able to meet up with the lads yet but have you talked to the players and stuff uh, at yeah. the stage?
2: Yes I have I've contacted that was the first um, first step really first tick the box exercise <laughs> um, just to let them know that um, I suppose first of all ask them how they are how they're keeping and um, and introduce myself to all the players. I know a lot of them, but I don't know some of them. So it was it was um, just an introduction really on my behalf. Um, and just to let them know that I'd be planning things going forward and this is my number, that sort of thing so it's just to get the ball rolling and a bit of um, formality I suppose and organisation for them I spoke to David O'Leary
1: yesterday about signing for Ramblers from Avondale and he was talking about the frustration of the last year about not being able to to play football in the Munster Senior League I'd imagine all the Wanderers players the exact same frustrated not being able to kick a ball
2: well yeah I spoke to like I said I spoke to all the players and they really 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 want to get going again you know and I think it is that that structure of having that organization in your week, whether it be involved in a football team or work or what have you, you have have that structure and you have that kind of goal setting mentality. And so I, I can't wait to get going and I know they can't either. Um, I suppose Wanderers,
1: um, a big club, um, got to the Intermediate Cup final a couple of years back um, in the Premier Division the last number of years, so things are going very well for the club as a whole over the last couple of years.
2: Well, absolutely, yeah. Um, I remember, I think it was 2014 when I joined Ramblers as a player most recently, Um, at that time. Or oh, sorry, Wonders. Did I say it? Sorry. <laughs> sorry? I left Ramblers and joined <laughs> Wonders. <laughs> um, it was in 2014 when they finished League of Ireland um, with Ramblers that I joined Wonders. And at that time, the club actually didn't have a, a senior team, and it was uh, Eric McCarthy, a local guard here, um, who took over management. And he, he and Daryl Burke, um, and myself basically as a trio went in and I was still playing at the time doing a bit of coaching as well and basically took go over the team and got a senior team up and running again and great credit has to go to Eric McCarthy for with it but we started in the second division um, due to not having a senior team the year before so we basically had to start from the bottom tier and work our way up and we did that within the, the two-year period. And wonders in the Premier ever since.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, like, what are the, I suppose the, the, the your immediate goals for for wonders over the next year? I suppose.
2: Well, they've they picked up a great position and a great start to the the, the current season. Um, that's great credit to, you, to Darren Murphy and Quinney and all the team that that was down there. Um, I want to obviously set that as the bar, so. I mean that's where we're starting. It's a great position to start and to take over a team. Um, they're one point off the top of the table. I mean, there's some great teams in that in, in that premier division. Um, I want to be competing at the top end and I think I think a, a co team, a co team should be always competing in the top end of the, the divisions. And what kind of football do
1: Daven O'Neill teams play?
2: Well, <laughs> <laughs> i won't be i won't be setting my style out really to to defend let's let, let's just put it that way <laughs> um yeah I, I i i was a i was a winger uh, slash forward paul Doolin didn't think i was a forward but uh, i was a winger <laughs> but yeah it will be it will be based um obviously on some of the structure defensively but i want exciting i want exciting players creating um innovative moves and basically scoring goals, obviously, doesn't every manager say that though?
1: (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) exactly, yeah, but I mean like, Wanderers uh, have some fantastic attacking players at their disposal anyway, so you're off to a good start there.
2: Well, what I've noticed, um, and like, I've liaised with Darren last week, like I said, and he gave me a a great run-through of each player and their individual qualities, and again he had some fantastic advice, but there are there are some fantastic young players in that team. And I want to I want to I suppose push them on to achieve what they can do and I suppose set them goals and and give them advice from my playing days. And that's that's really what I what I aim to do to to develop them young players.
1: I suppose as well with the catchment area of Cove being so big as well, I suppose developing the younger players and getting them through to the senior team must be a key part of the whole the whole philosophy of the club as well.
2: Well, it is now. It is now, certainly. hasn't always been that way in Cove. Um, but the current uh, school boys club, Springfield Ramblers, um, have, have obviously provided some fantastic players to both Cove Ramblers and no Cove Wanderers. So it, it's it's really a step up from Springfield Ramblers, schoolboys, into Cove Wanderers now and potentially Cove Ramblers then. And that link is something that's very important for for young players in the town. It's it's a link that was broken for for a lot of years for young players and they didn't benefit from having having them clubs working together, but now they are. And it's really, really positive to be a young footballer in Cove to have these opportunities to develop and to, to I suppose, to um, progress in your footballing career.
1: And speaking of, I suppose the clubs working together, the redevelopment of Old Church Park when that happens is going to be fantastic for football on the island as a whole.
2: Oh yeah, that's a massive, massive project, and it's a long time coming. So I'm really, really looking forward to having uh, a facility like that. Um, I've played, I've played in astroturfs, and I've. Uh, before this, I managed the under-14 Springfield Ramblers, so I've travelled to a lot of AstroTurfs in Cork, and there's some fine AstroTurfs there, but it, it always kind of bugged me that we didn't have some something like that in Cove, and it took a long, long time, but some fantastic people got together and uh, put their heads together and formed, formed Cove for football and brought clubs together to the table, and as a result, we could be looking at a massive, massive facility in Cove like in other towns so I'm really looking forward to that yeah it should
1: be absolutely fantastic cool. as, speaking of Ramblers they're kicking off against uh, Cork City on the 26th of March a uh, fantastic way to start the first division and what's going to be a, a very competitive first division this year Dav
2: oh yeah oh yeah really looking forward to that and as a member of Cove Ramblers uh, I can't wait to can't wait to go down there and watch and watch the first division games especially against Cork City you know I, what a what a It's a way to start the season. Um, It's a pity, obviously. It's a pity um, there won't be a full house there like there was in the last derby. But like you said, Stuart Ashton. We talked with Stuart Ashton and uh, Colin Healy before. um, Two fantastic guys. I mean, really, really. I played with Colin and I was coached by Stuart at at Cork City at some stages. Um, Really, really, really good guys who have both clubs at heart. And I have no doubt that they'll have massive, massive inspiration and and effect on their players. And they'll both be competing at the top end, no doubt.
1: And that, I suppose it's shaping up to be such a competitive first division. I mean, like I can't remember as competitive a first division like this, in I don't know how long.
2: When I was playing, there was there was um, there was a massive, massive kind of uh, jump from the first division up to the Premier Division. Um, in it, it, during during them years, nowadays, like you said, there's John Caulfield at Galway. I'm sure John Caulfield will have Galway as strong as yep. anyone in that division. Shelburne are really, really, really coming to the fore in the last few years. I mean, they they were really down in down in kind of I suppose in a, in a place that no club wants to be previous years, but they seem to be back and organised and. I know Stephen Henderson is up there um, helping the academy as well. Um, again, another f- fantastic guy. Um, so, yeah, I know I know that it'll be a competitive division, but that's exactly what you want as a, as a player. And as a fan, th- th- that's only going to make more exciting games for us to watch. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for kickoff. that has
1: been a pleasure talking to you this morning, buddy. And very best luck for the season of Heber wanderers.
2: Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Rory.
1: The big red bench on Cork City FM and that is Davin O'Neill, former Cove Ramblers and Cork City player on taking over Cove Wanderers. And um, very best luck to him, Dav, one of the good guys. Um, very nice guy. So very best luck to him in his job as Wanderers boss and uh, looking forward to, to seeing them when the Munster City League season gets back underway. So hopefully that'll be uh, soon enough anyway, because, um, Everyone just wants to get back playing football. Chelsea nil, Manchester United nil. uh, It's approaching full time there, in fact, uh, into the time added on now. Um, Looks like it's going to peter out uh, into a a scoreless draw there. So, uh, three minutes to be added on. We'll keep posted on that one. Uh, I want to talk now to Adam O'Reilly. Uh, the Corkman signed for Waterford on loan from Preston North End earlier on in this week. Uh, so he's done that to get more game time he's signing on loan until the end of June. So I got a chance to speak to the former Ringman Rangers player uh, to talk about the move. It
3: came about, uh, look, I, I was just training away with the first team stuff over at Preston and um, I was told that like, I needed to go out loan and get some experience and stuff. And uh, the agent did some work for me and Waterford came along and... Uh, that's how the opportunity arose really
1: and Kevin Sheedy in charge down there of course um, a legendary figure in the game you've had a chance to talk to him yet or
3: yeah I've uh, I've actually met up with him um, met up with him once um, Kevin Sheedy is a top guy like um, even from the first impression I got from him he, uh, he seems like a very very top person and uh, seems to be quite funny as well to be <laughs> fair to him so I'm looking forward to working under him
1: so how did he sell Waterford to you yeah, did he have to sell it much to you
3: yeah, um I'm 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 a hard person to please, as people say, but uh that <laughs> no, he, he sold to me very well, Jeez. Um he just explained to us what their goals are for the season and uh kind of the players that they brought in and the type of team that they, that he has. And uh after they said that, look, my, my eyes kind of opened up and I, I thought okay it's probably it's probably gonna be the best move for me. Um so I, I decided to go with them.
1: Uh, I suppose um, first team opportunities at Preston have been limited. I mean, like the Gaffer there kind of say, look, you just kind of have to go out and get some uh, first team experience, kind of get some game time, was it? Yeah, um,
3: that, that was the case, really. He so, said, look, I, 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 I need to go out and get some experience. Um, and that, that's exactly what I have to do now. So uh, that's why I went to Waterford because, look, it's its top league. Um, and if there's going to be a lot of very good good players in the league. Um, so to kind of play in this, uh will do me the world a good um, so I'm just looking forward to playing now
1: um, And I suppose with the link that Preston have with Cork City and I suppose you've been a Cork boy I suppose there'll probably be kind of um, people asking like what was Cork City on the table for you was that any, under a consideration at any time?
3: Yeah look it, it was on the table as well as a, a few more teams was um from a personal point of view, look you just gotta look you just gotta look at it and see how is it gonna benefit you the best uh, going forward in my career like. Um and I, I just felt that uh going to War would probably benefit me the best. Um and uh obviously in the in top league, uh it's probably gonna do me the world of good. Um as I said against some some very, very good players. Uh, so I felt that that would, that would give me the best benefit uh, going back into the pressing team then, uh, pushing to get a place for them then as well. Like,
1: so it was just surely, uh, I suppose, the Premier Division kind of aspect of it was I suppose the main consideration, so?
3: Yeah, um, like you, you get players, a lot of players from England that actually come to the league, Like so it's uh, it's kind of one of the main leagues that they, they go to and try and benefit themselves um, as well as what I'm doing now. Like So uh, I just felt that that was kind of the, the deal breaker really um, because I see need to push on now and kind of make a name for myself and show everyone what I can do in the highest league possible.
1: So have you set a target for yourself for the next couple of months so It's it, until junior loan is, is it?
3: Yeah, um, look, I've got a couple of targets but I'd say the main target is obviously to play week in, week out and get games with a rebuilt but as I said a while ago to to make a name for myself and show everyone what I can really do and uh, go back to England uh, showing clubs that I am a very good player and what's, what uh, I can bring to the table like I suppose um, the, of the main goals
1: the immediate target I suppose is to, to break into the starting 11 as quickly as possible I'd imagine
3: yeah um, geez, everyone's goal, goal in football is, is to get to England and play to the best league you can and look obviously my goal at the moment is get into the Preston team and then impress there and maybe even go to the Premier League um, is what is what the end goal will be um, just play play as much football as I can throughout
1: of course uh, Alan Brown fellow courtman fellow uh, ringman ranger at Preston did you, did you talk to him for advice on your next move and stuff like that
3: yeah he was actually a, a factor going into it um, I, spo- I spoke to him about it, it was just, what's he thinking and stuff and look we, we all have our own opinions and stuff but uh, like, he's helped me along the way anyway uh, through my loans and stuff Um but no, he, look, he, he's been a great help to me um, and I appreciate him a lot as well as Seani Maguire. Um, so they've, they've been two great helps uh, when it comes to kind of the football side and better myself. Like, Because um, if I ever had a question or a query or anything, I'd go to them and they help me out in all water.
1: Must be good to be at home though as well, is it?
3: Yeah, geez, especially in these times, like um, the horrible times at the moment so I even be around my family and friends again. Uh, it, it gives me a even a confidence boost if you want to say um, just because you're around, around great people again like
1: So will you be travelling up and down for training Is there, or will you be moving to Waterford further? how is it going to work
3: um, I don't know exactly what the plan is yes. Um I, I, I'd like to kind of do half and half so stay at home for maybe a few days and then go up there for a few days but obviously it depends on the regime of training and stuff and games um, so I'm not 100% sure yet what will happen
1: it's just three weeks as well to go to the the start of the league, um, so you've plenty of time to get training, I suppose, and to get you know to, to know your new teammates ahead of the start of the season.
3: Yeah, I know. Look, I'm looking forward to getting to training with the lads now, like because um, as soon as I got told I was going to them, uh, I, I couldn't wait to get started, like um, because I've seen that they send some very very good players. Um, and as I said, Kevin Sheedy said that uh, the team is great, and um, I've heard one or two things about the team as well. So. Uh, I just can't wait to get started with them now and start uh, playing games and winning games in the league stuff.
1: stuff. Tricky starts as well away to Drogheda United, but I suppose uh, the thing about the League of Ireland is there's no easy games in any stage of the competition, I guess.
3: No, yeah, geez, they're all great teams, Like so it's going to be very competitive throughout. Um, there won't be one easy game, like as you said. Um, so that that's kind of the best thing that I'm looking at now is I'm going to be coming up against some very, very good teams. Um so it'll, it'll test my ability and uh, only make me better.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. And Cork City so have signed um, a and midfielder on loan, Jack Baxter. What can you tell us about him?
3: Yeah, um, so me and Jack, we've actually played with the U team all the way up. Like, um, But Jack's, uh, Jack's a very good, very good player as well. Like, um, very good in the ball. He's, he's like a defensive midfielder. Um, the number six role you want to call it. Um, so the fella can find the pass for you like so. He's a good player in my eyes, he, uh, so he'll do well when he goes
1: to Cork today, I think. Excellent. Adam, thanks for talking to us today. Looking forward to seeing you in action uh, for Waterford. Very best of luck for the season ahead.
3: Thanks very much.
1: The big red bench on Cork, shall I have found that, is Adam O'Reilly there. Speaking about his move to, uh, to Waterford and loan until June, so very best of luck to Adam uh, with Waterford and uh, very best of luck to him. Looking forward to seeing him in action uh, for Waterford uh, throughout the course of the campaign. Getting close now, getting very, very close to the start of the season uh, in the First Division um, the Premier Division kicking off two weeks on Friday, third division or the first division kicking off uh, a week later on the twenty-sixth, Cork City and Cove Ramblers at Turner's Cross. How good a game is that going to be for the first game in the first division. Really looking forward to that game. Right, still to come on the show, we're gonna talk. I'll be with Tom Savage and three Red Kings. That's coming up next. The big red bench. Game on. Saturday and Sunday from six PM. Welcome back to the show. It's all over between uh, Chelsea and Manchester tonight. I finished scoreless William Esler was at Stamford Bridge.
3: Chelsea nil, Manchester United
1: nil,
5: and a draw that really benefits neither team. United lose further ground at the top of the table; they're now 12 points behind Manchester City. Meanwhile, Chelsea fail to take advantage of West Ham's defeat yesterday and remain outside the top four. A game with only a few moments
0: of quality in an otherwise niggly affair at Stamford Bridge. It finished Chelsea nil,
3: Manchester United nil.
1: Yeah, not one that's going to live long in the memory. There, Sheffield United, Liverpool rounding off today's action. Team sheets are in, Davieson
0: Two changes for Liverpool from the Merseyside Derby defeat. The injured Jordan Henderson is replaced as centre-back by Nat Phillips. Jurgen Klopp has given Alisson the match off after the terrible news of his father's death and an accident in Brazil. Adrian comes in in goal. Two changes for Sheffield United who have been hit by injuries as well. Oliver Norwood comes back but Chris Basham is out so Ethan Ampadu drops into defence. Billy Sharp is replaced up front by David McGoldrick. Abraham Lane is Sheffield United against Liverpool.
1: I've got to talk rugby now and earlier on today I got a chance to catch up with one of my favourite rugby writers Tom Savage from 3 To discuss Ireland's win over Italy, Italy's future in the Six Nations Joy, Carberry's return to Munster and plenty more Alright, joined on the line now by Tom Savage from 3 Red Kings. Tom, how are you sir?
5: Not too bad at all now, how are you?
1: I'm good sir um, First off, before we get into Ireland and Munster How have you found covering rugby in the pandemic over the last 12 months?
5: It's, weirdly enough, been almost identical to what it was the year or two before. Mm. Um, my, my, my work week really is exactly the same. It's just that now nobody else has a life either. So it's, <laughs> pretty, much, it's pretty much been um, relatively straightforward whenever mm. there's been rugby on. It's just, it's a, you know, I think it's a killer when there are no crowds. Uh, it makes the, the spectacle a little bit weirder. But it's like everything, I think you kind of get used to it after a while and now it's just focusing on the game itself, which can be good. Mm -hmm. But I think that everything is a little bit quieter and everything's a little bit less intense when there is no crowd. And I think that's, that's something I think you see in the Six Nations. You see it in big Heineken Cup games. I think it's something that everybody misses. And it's especially true when you're covering the games week to week.
1: Yeah, one bonus I think for us journalists has been the advent of um online Zoom press conferences, which has made access to to like the Ireland team, the Munster team, a lot easier.
5: Oh, very much so, yeah. Like as in it's one of those things where if, you know, that's in Limerick and and, and you're in Cork or in Dublin, that's a difficult enough thing to get to, you know? Mm-hmm. So like having access to those, I I think it gives a more, more kind of broader coverage, I think, and allows for you know, I think kind of a, more voices involved and in some ways more people to help promote the game in the country, which I think is only a good thing. Just looking back
1: on Ireland's win yesterday, um, six-try win for Ireland. is uh, Was it a good performance? Is it a case of given how poor Italy are, you can't really read too much into it?
5: I think it's, it's a bit of both, really. I think if you look at Ireland's win in isolation, it's a good performance. Lots of nice tries, lots of stuff that I think that Ireland have been looking to show over the last number of weeks. But if you go back to October of last year, Ireland beat Italy 50 points to 10 in the Aviva Stadium and then a week or two later went to Paris and really underperformed against France. So I think we we have very recent examples of how the win here might might not translate to what... Ireland will ultimately be, be judged on in this tournament, which will be an away game to Scotland and then a home game against England, who are looking vulnerable, yes, but I think that I think if you focus a little bit too much on how good Ireland looked against this particular Italian side, I think there's a danger of not really seeing the the wood for the trees because I, I think from a, a collision perspective, Ireland have hadn't haven't had this kind of dominant gain line against the team since maybe the last time they played Italy. So My question is, it was good, certainly, and you you give credit where it's due, but Ireland don't judge themselves against how they do against Italy. It'll be those next two games against uh, Scotland and and, uh, England that will be the important ones.
1: There was a lot of, I suppose, um, flacks sent Ireland's way after the opening two games uh, following the the two defeats. Was that deserved, in your view?
5: Uh, Yes, I I think if they are not performing up to scratch. And remember, this, this is an Ireland side recently who, you know, 2018, they won a Grand Slam, beat the All Blacks the same year. That is not an, an eon ago. That, that, that is quite recently. So I think Ireland's slip in results since then has been a sequence. It's not just been something that's happened since Andy Farrell took over. This is something that's been in, 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 in play for quite a while. So I think Ireland are at the product now or at the end result of maybe two years of pretty poor results, a poor World Cup. Uh, and then the Six Nations games where Ireland have lost to England now four times in a row. They've lost to France twice twice in a row for the first time since 2011. There's a feeling that results are beginning to dip and with that there will be criticism and there will be focus on what are Ireland actually trying to do. You look at Ireland's results um, and, and performances during 2019, the last year of the Schmidt era you would say. And a lot of those performances were pretty stodgy stuff. And I think there's been a clamor for Ireland to play a more expansive game of rugby. You look at the way that that Japan beat Ireland, for example, in the World Cup. There's a natural focus to kind of go, well, well, why aren't we playing like that? Mm. And I think the people, my cat's been brought in to try and play a style of rugby a little bit closer to what people want. That will take time to bring in. But when it doesn't work and you're losing games against Wales, who Ireland beat repeatedly last year, and France, there will be a focus. And I think last week, my cat started to... There was a a feeling that he kind of threw his players under the bus, but I think it's a two-way thing. He is responsible for the attack, for the direction that they take, but players have to execute as well. Yesterday, both structure and players really performed, but the caveat to that is it's Italy.
1: Yeah, I think that's the caveat for a lot of right yeah. it is Italy Gary Doyle on the 42.8 today was making the case for uh, Italy's removal from the Six Nations to be replaced by Argentina or South Africa would you be in favour of the removal to be replaced by either of those countries
5: well I mean they've lost 30 games in a row now in the Six Nations um, I, I think if you look at the teams that would be kind of slightly below the Six Nations level perhaps Fiji Georgia for certain Italy have beaten these teams relatively consistently but it's the kind of concept of relative improvement. Italy are improving, but it's a bit like when you're talking about improving, like Ireland have been talking about like in the weeks prior to this, like that, when you look at that, you'd go, well, okay, improving, but you're still losing. That's ultimately what, what Italy are doing too. They're improving, but not relative to other teams. They're just not catching up. And loss after loss after loss. Look, I mean, Ireland know what it's like to be in that situation mm-hmm. where like Ireland in the 90s was not a great place to go when you're looking at uh, test rugby results you know Ireland were finishing in the bottom two getting wooden spoons you know so you look at Ireland in that context people could have easily said the same about them Ireland improved I think that what Italy are trying to do is to build a new young generation of players they're bringing those through en masse that will lead to ugly performances like they've seen against France better against England but yesterday was another pretty ugly performance too I'm not in favour of of seeing Italy uh, dumped out of the tournament to be honest I think that they're uh, like a, a good rugby country, a good place to go. I think they're a valuable part of the Six Nations just from the, kind of the, the cultural part of it. Results will have to come at some point, but I think that rugby over the last 10 years in particular has gotten increasingly complex and increasingly physical. Uh, and that kind of stuff is not just... It, it, it isn't just about passion and scoring tries. It's become an incredibly technical game. And that's the kind of thing that Italy, I think, are kind of catching up on Relatively, a fair bit slower than everybody else.
1: Um, from I suppose uh, a monster fans' perspective, a lot of eyes on Craig Casey yesterday, and uh, a lot of people excited uh, for his debut. How comfortable he he look at this level yesterday?
5: Well, unbelievable. I mean, you look you look at Craig Casey since he's kind of made his breakthrough into the monster team. I think over the last two seasons, he's looked incredibly comfortable at every level. Uh, pro fourteen games, Champions Cup games, big inter pro games, and now. Uh, at at Ireland level, yes, it was against Italy, but a lot of the qualities that that Craig Casey showed in this game, you you, you would easily scale to Scotland or France or whatever. He's just an incredibly talented player, and I think a lot of it comes down to just his mentality. I mean, he's incredibly skilled, of course, but nothing seems to faze him. A lot of the time with young players, you get into camp, uh, Ireland camp, and it's a mentally exhausting place to be. There's so much to take in, depending on your position. There's so much to to learn as in just from a sort of an intellectual basis, never mind the, the kind of increased physicality. So a lot of guys come out of camp exhausted, mentally weary, but you look at Craig Casey and he's a guy who just, you know, didn't get uh, minutes off the bench against France uh, two weeks ago. So came out desperate to play against uh, Edinburgh for Munster did. So played incredibly well. And then back into Ireland camp and just nothing seemed to face him, came off the bench, played like a guy didn't look like it was his debut really, you know, um, Really really strong, and he's a guy who there's nowhere in this game he can't go uh, if he has a bit of luck, if he has a bit of luck with injuries, this is a guy who can go very, very far. Are you surprised he didn't start yesterday? Not really. Uh, I think Andy Farrell was under pressure um, for a result here first and foremost. Um, I mean you look at the recent results that Arden have had against Italy and you could see that there were some aspects of this you know win was quite predictable. But Andy Farrell was thinking more, not just about this game, but about the Scotland game, looking to build cohesion in the group that really Ireland have lacked over the last while um, and try to build on the momentum. You know, because I think from Andy Farrell's perspective, he could have started a lot of younger players here, but they more than likely would not have started against Scotland. So you look at him trying to build, well, good confidence, nice try scored. Let's roll that now into Scotland, is probably the thinking. Uh, But again, it, it comes down to when results are poor, it's difficult for a coach to kind of throw caution to the wind to a certain extent by using his wider squad, using younger players there's always the clamour and, and, and finding a balance between, okay, well we have to develop younger players, but also a coach runs on wins uh, if Ireland were to throw in a very new unit against Italy yesterday there's a possibility that, that could have been a very sticky result yeah. it wouldn't have cost Andy his job if Ireland had lost that game, but it's you know, I, 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 I'll say this everybody will forget this game within by the time the Scotland games comes around maybe even the England game you won't remember much details about this yeah. had Ireland lost this game or come really close to losing it that's a game that would stick along in the memory and would hurt the coach's tenure
1: certainly so um, talk to me about the, the impact that Paul O'Connell has had uh, from a coaching perspective he's brought in to work with the line out Ireland's line out yesterday I think in the first half alone five line out wins two steals so whatever he's doing seems to be, seems to be working
5: yeah, I think that uh, Ian Henderson has spoke during the week about that what Paul O'Connell is kind of doing is just kind of simplifying a lot of the stuff that they were doing, working on some of the the basics that everybody kind of thought they knew and just kind of going back to those. Like as in Ireland's line-out in the two weekends so far of this season of the Six Nations has been the, 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 the least effective line-out in the tournament uh, with regards to producing the sort of pictures that they want to do basically because you want to launch off those. But, when you look at Ireland's line-out yesterday, pretty flawless, you know? Mm. And that position gave them ample opportunity to get after Italy in the midfield. I mean, look at Italy's midfield. There's basically three fly halves there or guys who could play in that position. So Ireland, if they got any sort of solid platform, would be able to launch into those guys, get the sort of dominant gain line that they used to win the game. And that's a large part of what the line-out's there. It's there. It's not just on its own. It's there to serve the, the wider function of the team. And Paul O'Connell... Uh, he's a guy who just seems to be bringing a little bit more simplicity, a little bit more, like, just give a give a picture to the hooker that is predictable. And when you have that, guys will make throws for the most part. It, it's all relative to the pressure that you get put under as well. Scotland will, will provide a different challenge, of course. But yesterday was a, a good continuation of some of the stuff that we've seen throughout the tournament. Good, but it will definitely need improvement.
1: Yeah, and Scotland now oh, to come in two weeks. Scotland, of course, haven't had a game this weekend, so it'll be four weeks since they've last played. Is that going to have an impact on them? Uh,
5: maybe. Uh, you, like, you, you look at them, they've been in pretty good form for the most part. They played incredibly well against England. They were unlucky to cough up a loss against Wales, but that just seems to be how Wales have been going mm-hmm. over the last couple of, 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 of weeks. Uh, they would have been looking forward to that game against France. They beat France last year, and I think they stacked up quite well with them, but that game's obviously chalked off. Will the week rest up a few minds? Will it rest up the body a little bit? Will they come in fresh, ready to go? Or will they be a bit like England where you know some of those guys haven't really played for long stretches to this season? Now this is only one week off, which is slightly different, but that little small percentage point of not being fully matched sharp, it counts a lot at test level. And that's something I think that you know, Ireland have consistently beaten Scotland over the last number of years. Scotland are, are, are a team who've they're not shy about talking about how confident they are, how, how, how good they think they're doing. Uh, this is going to be a very big game. And I think that, that Scotland will certainly back themselves to be a bad matchup for mm-hmm. Ireland. But whether or not that week off is a damage to them, they'll have to wait and see. But I think that I have a feeling it could be good for them. And I, I think that when you look at the, the performance they need from their front five, it could well be uh, an, an important factor. Actually, speaking of England,
1: uh, any sympathy for them considering the the controversial nature of Wales' as, uh, first two tries yesterday?
5: Not really, because it's England. But you know. But at the same time, uh, you would look at that first try, and you, you kind of switch to jerseys and think if that's a green yeah. jersey, you're furious. Really, you know, it's one of those ones where you're giving it, You know, he's telling them to talk to his, his team. He's still doing that. There's water. Mm. There's water boys in the field, and uh, he, he allows in a crossfield kick. But look, England lost this game by more than two tries. Um, their discipline in the second half, in particular, was just shocking. Uh, that's been a factor for them all season. Uh, they have been steadily conceding more and more penalties every single year. Uh, this year has been remarkable, like as in their penalty count against Scotland was ridiculous. It was the same here now against Wales. They beat Italy, but everybody's been doing that for the last number of years. So, again, you're looking at their next game now against France. That's a colossal game for them. They're not going to be looking into that one and thinking, geez, you know, we'll try and develop guys now. They need to get a win on the board, you know? And it, it, they're a bit like Ireland at the moment, where their stuff is not really working now and is that because a lot of the Saracens guys that are the core of that team haven't really played any rugby a guy like Mario Watoji just looked a little percentage point a few percentage points off in this game yesterday and he's a top top quality player but if these guys aren't playing those small little dips they can be enough to hurt mm. you at test level and uh, like that's something where you know, I, I expected England to win that game yesterday, but it just didn't really pan out at all. And uh, so I, I think from their perspective now, they're in a bit of a crisis with regards to the context of the Six Nations. They need a result from somewhere. Ireland are the same, so it's set up for a big game in two weeks in the Aviva Stadium between those two. Yeah, should be an absolute belter.
1: Finally, Tom, just before we wrap up, how good was it uh, seeing Joy Carberry back uh, in a Munster jersey on Friday night?
5: Oh, fantastic. Look, uh, when Munster signed this guy, Uh, Back in 2018, summer of 2018, they did so with the idea that he was going to be their primary playmaker. Uh, You don't sign a guy like that to be a depth guy. He was a guy who they brought in for a specific purpose. Since uh, January 2019, he's played four times for Munster. That's a long time. Now he is a guy who is incredibly important to what Munster want to do. He's incredibly important to what Ireland want to do. So when he's been out for that long with a a series of injuries, that it just happens. both Munster and Ireland I think suffer. So seeing him come back after the guts of a year more uh, of getting himself right physically where at one point Munster said he was look he was out indefinitely that's fantastic to see mm. for Munster for Ireland but for the individual you know because he's training away he's trying to rehab it's a tough a, t- a tough business you're wondering like as in will I ever get back out there what's the story and he re- I'd like to see him come back out and play pretty well in that last 15 minutes, but especially that penalty right, or the conversion right towards the end, uh, that's exactly the Joy Carberry that was there prior to his injury. Just a guy who can land him from anywhere. It just looked like the old Joy Carberry. And look, Mm. Munster won't rush him. He's a guy who will need to get his fitness back again, but uh, great to see him back out there and you can only hope for more of it.
1: Yes, certainly. And overall, Tom, how impressed have you been with Munster so far this season?
5: Pretty good. Like You look at the way that Munster are trying to play that game against Cardiff, in some aspects, was an illustration of almost, look, the first time that they have a game in a number of months where it does not rain or wind or a big, heavy pitch, <laughs> they're almost overplayed at times. But what they're building is impressive. Like, they've won, like, they, they have the best away record in the Pro 14 this season. They've won away in Claremont. Uh, You look at the way that they're trying to play and some of the guys that they're bringing through, the likes of Gavin Coombs, looks like an unreal player. Some of the other younger players too. Josh Witcherly is impressed and will get more opportunities soon. Ben Healy and others. They're building something, I think, that that, that, that it's quite good. And you look at where they're looking to go, a Pro 14 final, probably another game against Leinster, maybe Ulster. Uh, An opportunity to win a trophy, I think, could really kick this group on. But you look on the whole, what they've done, I think they've been quite good. Uh, but again, it needs to happen against Leinster at, in, in big games. Uh, that's where the kind of the real judgment will happen, I think, for this group this season. There's a Champions Cup, an extended knockout period coming too. I think they're in a good position. Carbery back, fully fit, maybe Argy Snaiman coming into the mix as well. I think they have the capacity there to be a serious threat in Europe and domestically, but it'll just come down to those big games. Can they beat Leinster? If they can beat Leinster the next time they play this season, there could be a trophy fingers
1: crossed Tom thanks very much for talking to us uh, before we wrap up tell us what's happening in three uh, on 3redkings.com
5: on 3redkings this week I'll be looking at the uh, Munster game I'll be looking at the Ireland game and trying to going into the details of Ireland's line out um, and the um, performance this over the last couple of weeks uh, and how it improved against Italy and where it might improve against Scotland so that's on 3redkings.com uh, this week
1: excellent Tom as always a pleasure thanks very much for talking to us today thank you
5: very much
1: yeah Tom Savage there from dot com. be sure and check that website out fantastic uh, resource fantastic uh, uh, analysis of Ireland and Munster Games available there we're going to hear briefly from um, Andy Farrell uh, speaking after uh, last night's win <laughs> um, how pleased are you with that performance how much of what you wanted to see did you actually see
4: um, well first of all I'm, I'm really proud of the, of the players you know um, they've uh, they, they've Shown the real uh, character over the, over the last couple of weeks. Um, it's not nice going after after uh, two losses, and um, uh, I'm waiting in a couple of weeks to, uh, to to try and put that right. And you know, we, we talked about it. it's a test of character, and uh, they've stayed strong. They've stayed very united together, and uh, yeah, there's this, as a group, I think they've all pulled together and, uh, and showed um, the the leaderships in different ways. And um, I thought I thought we earned the right. Uh, to score some points with the way that we 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 approached the game in the first half, I thought our attitude was was top class. We approached the game in the right manner. We paid the game uh, the, the right respect and Italy the right respect. And uh, I thought we punched away um, um, really well in the first half, and the game opened up in the end.
1: Thanks. I just ask you how it's all you is to give Craig Casey and Ryan Baird their debut, and how big a future can they have with Ireland. Mm.
4: I've just said to them there that the, the two guys, um, I was waiting for the nerves to kick in all week. Uh, they were absolutely nerveless and, and absolute credit to themselves and to the families. And, and again, you know, in these COVID times, um, I, I, feel, uh, I feel for the families not, not to be able to come out to Rome and, uh, and see that experience because the sons were, were, were outstanding. You know, they, they became men today. Um, they, uh, again, they they got about their jobs quietly all week, and uh, the nerves never really set set in at all. And the only thing that I asked of them um, uh, today was to be themselves, and the, and there was that in spades. So I thought they was outstanding. And then and then the uh, the other guys, obviously Robbie Henshaw. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know uh, uh, what else we can say about Robbie other than. He, he, was, he was top class, top draw today. He, some, some players put pressure on themselves when they reach milestones and the other players just grab the, the occasion by their own hands and embrace the, embrace the pressure, embrace the, um, the occasion, etc. And, and, uh, and take the game to the opposition. And from minute one, I mean, that was an outstanding performance from Robbie in that first 40 minutes, so well done to the three of them.
1: Can I just ask you about uh, Jordan and then the three front row guys who came off? What were their injury issues, and, and are there any more?
4: Um, uh, there's a few needles uh, that we we need to um, uh, assess in the morning, uh, especially after the flight at, at home home this evening. So we'll see how people pull up. Uh, Jordan had a a little bit of a tightness in the, in his hip flexor, so we had Earlsey on um, uh, early enough because we didn't want to take a risk there. Um, Tag uh, had just gone over his ankle, but he seemed to walk off uh, pretty, pretty well. Uh, Ron has just got a dead off so he's going to be uh, good and uh, David Kilcorn um, failed his HIA but he's in good spirits in, in the change room as well.
1: That's Andy Farrell speaking after yesterday's win over Italy a two week gap now for Ireland uh, after uh, to, uh, after yesterday's game and a good performance against what is to be said look at poor Italy side uh, but it's Scotland next Sunday uh, 14th March 3 o'clock kickoff for that one so two week break now uh, for Ireland ahead of that game. Uh, in the Pro 4 Gene Manster 28-21 up up on Glasgow Warriors 55 minutes on the clock and Shamrock Grover beating Cork City by two goals to one in their pre-season friendly in Tallinn was Murphy with Cork City's goal uh, there in that game Alright, um, on Friday the new FBI CEO Jonathan Hill held his first press conference and uh, had a lengthy chat with the media, I was on the conference call and uh, he spoke a lot about Irish football, international fixtures and uh, the decision to broadcast First Division and Women's National League games as part of the new LOI TV streaming service. Uh, so this is a little bit of Jonathan Hill talking about that.
0: I think that was a, a, an important announcement for us to make and uh uh, look, we're also uh, we're we're very thankful to our partners at RTE, uh, not least because they are going to uh, be our main broadcast partner for our live games as well, um, but for also uh, supporting us in relation to um, to the Watch LOI service. Um, look, I, I genuinely believe that this is uh, th- this is something that we, as an association, uh, need, need to do and needed to do last year as much as this year but from a very simple perspective of it being a service for the fans. And that's what I see this for. So I'm really pleased that we're able to extend the service from last year uh, into the First Division games and, as you say, also into the Women's National League for the first time. And we are going to make those Women's National League games um, free of charge so anyone can, uh, can access them, which I think is, um, again, a, 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 another positive step uh, in our support of, of women's football. So, yes, uh, it was important uh, to get that message out. It was important that the clubs understood um, uh, how they can interact with the um, uh, with the service, if you like, because um, clearly in a scenario whereby um, it looks as if we will be playing behind closed doors until uh, the end of the first phase, so the first 14 rounds until the end of May, um, uh, the, the clubs wanted to uh, to understand how they could um, market their own season tickets, if you like, uh, in the context of a COVID situation, um, but with the support of a streaming service. So um, yeah, we were really pleased to get that, um, that, that announced. Well, we are hopeful that we will have some fans back into the stadia um, for the second part of the season, but um, clearly we can't anticipate that now at the moment, um, but if we do, um, then um, the, the the streaming service in theory becomes um, less necessary in terms of uh, uh, the, the the service to those fans who go to the games, but the service will still be there. So those fans that may not be able to uh, to to get to the matches will still be able to use it. Um, as I say, we've uh, we we the FAI have invested into um, a system um, with uh, which is called Pixelot, where the cameras um, will allow not just to have all of those games. Um, Covered, but also um, it, it does give a, a very useful um, service to our um, to 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 the coaching teams at the clubs actually in relation to um, player analysis. So um, those cameras aren't going anywhere. There will be um, a streaming service um, for the second half of the season. Um, it's just that we hope that it'll be in the context of fans being able to get back and watch their teams play, which uh, I guess everybody is hoping for. The the pixelos coverage on the. Yep. Um, First Division and the Women's National League. Will there be any commentary or any additional production on that? Or is that an option for clubs to bring on board like some of the uh, the other sports might have done towards the end of last year? Yeah, I think at First Division level and um, Women's National League level, that is the type of creative uh, discussion we're going to have with the individual clubs. And we know that um, there are people across all of those clubs uh, and maybe local um, uh radio stations who could provide commentary etc in relation to to those games the most important thing i think was to get the um the feed sorted and and actually the um, uh, the pictures that you get from the Pixlot system are remarkably good, um, and so I'm really I, I'm genuinely pleased that we are able to say that we will be broadcasting all of those uh, those uh, those League of Ireland and uh, Women's National League games. Um, but we will uh, we'll be talking with the clubs. Uh, clearly, only last night uh, that we um, that we finally presented to them as to what the um, approach was going to be. But we'll talk with them to uh, to talk about those uh, additional production issues, if you like you've got a, an existing sort of portfolio of good strong sponsors yep. and boots Aviva. have you had a chance to meet with in a virtual sense or a real world sense with any of those sponsors at the moment and are they all fully committed and on board sure well i reached out to all of them when uh when i was announced back in november uh we actually have um a meeting next week of all of the sponsors and partners and uh where we'll speak to them in the round and um yes i think uh, uh we we uh, we have all of their support. We have a, a, a couple more announcements to make in relation to renewals of deals, which I'm very happy about. Uh, clearly, I was very happy that we um, uh, we had the announcements that we had with SSE Electricity, uh, and in particular. On the basis that they had been contemplating moving out of uh, out of Irish football, if you like, but um, after discussions with them, um, we persuaded them to come back in. But not just to come back in um, in relation to the men's leagues, um, but also to support the, um, the the women's national league, which we.
1: That's Jonathan here, the new Feic on top of the new LOI TV streaming service, which is fantastic news for the First Division and the Women's National League Games. So we're really looking forward to, to watching Cork City games on LOI TV and co Ramblers games this year and Cork City's uh, women's team as well on that service. Fantastic stuff indeed. But that is us for tonight. Thank you very much indeed for tuning our way. Our podcast will be online shortly. You can get that on redfm.ie or from wherever you get your podcast from. Yesterday's show available there as well. Uh, Valerie talking to Gemma O'Connor about her career, as she called it a day, uh, with Cork uh, earlier on in the week. So you can get that there as well. Connor Halpin's up next with Green on Red. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday evening, folks. I'll talk to you next Sunday. The Big Red Bench. On.
0: Saturday and Sunday from 6pm.